You're listening to Sphera Now, a podcast for environmental health, safety, and quality professionals around the globe. This is brought to you by Sphera, the largest global provider of integrated risk management software and information services with a focus on environmental health and safety, operational risk, and product stewardship. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Sphere Now podcast. I'm James Tarani, Sparks Editor-in-Chief. Today on the program, we have a very special guest. His name is Ron Palermo, and he's Sphere's Chief Information Security Officer. We will be discussing trends in cybersecurity. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ron. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Uh, before we begin, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Sure. So I've been with Sphere now for two, two and a half years as their Chief Information Security Officer. Uh, and I've pretty much my entire career has been in the information security space. Uh, it is truly an evolved career and a tr- an evolved field. Uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. I enjoy it. Uh, it it's fun. It's difficult, challenging, um, but it, uh, it's a very rewarding field. So Definitely. And uh, so you talked about kind of the evolution, or you mentioned the evolution. So I guess I, the first question is, what keeps you up at night these days with everything <laughs> that's out there? <laughs> You know, with in, kind of staying in the present with, with what's going on with the pandemic and COVID-19, uh, you know, many organizations have had to go mobiles. Uh, so right now, it's, it's how do I keep my colleagues and my, my people safe uh, and secure while they're working remote? Um, you know, our organization was, we were fortunate. We had a lot of the technology in place, but others weren't. A lot of organizations had to scramble to, to put in different technologies. Um, uh, and controls to, to make sure their colleagues and, and employees were operating in a secure environment, that they could do their day-to-day jobs and, you know, maintain privacy and security and confidentiality. Uh, so it's been, a, it's been a challenge across the, the industry and across the globe. Um, you know, when we look at, you know, uh, the risk space uh, for, uh, for the pandemic and business continuity, you know, this is one of the areas that, that we look at is, is how, do we, how do we protect our people when they when they go remote, um, you know, in the, in the event we lose a building or a facility, how do we make sure they can still operate and do their jobs? Um, so keeping me up at night has been how do we protect uh, our people and, 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 and honestly, how, you know, how our customers are protecting their, their people and, and helping in any way we can. Uh, so the companies that are struggling in this regard, what are some of the areas they're struggling in? Is it just that they weren't, uh, they didn't have the technology at hand when all of this uh, went down earlier this year uh, to be able to deal with a mobile environment, or is it more to it than that? Uh, that is the primary. Uh, the, the primary reason is that they just weren't ready. They, they just didn't have the technologies in place to support a, a mobile workforce. Um, you know, our, our organization did. Right, we we have a virtual private network that we use to to connect to our network, uh, and we have we have ways to access our production environments and our test environments in, in a way that's secure. It's, it's protecting uh, ourselves, ensuring that only the right people get into to systems they need and making sure the bad guys are able to stay out. So that, that's been the primary driver is that the companies just weren't, they just weren't ready for this. Um, not many companies work, to be honest. Um, it's, it's, it's been a, you know, once in a lifetime event. So it's interesting to think about when you or when you think about cybersecurity, you think about the technology that has evolved to keep people safe. But it's also on the other end, those bad guys that you're talking about, they're always evolving too. So what are some of those um, uh, 
cyber concerns you're seeing today that maybe you, you weren't uh, thinking about or nobody was thinking about even a few years ago? Good question. Good question. Um, when we look at cybersecurity as a whole space, and, and it is vast, right? We, we look at from, from protecting uh, our customers' information, our personal information, uh, making sure data is available, making sure our systems are available to our customers. Uh, so there's a lot of space to cover. As things have evolved, we, we know that uh, the attacks have gotten more personal. So we know that uh, the bad guys have, have taken a, a very personal approach through phishing attacks uh, to go after, and they're going after very specific people within organizations. And it's a, it's a concern because they are getting really good at it. They're, they're, they're able to craft messages and, and communications that essentially mirror what we would do internally and what other customers would do internally. You know, there's been a huge increase in security awareness across across the, the industry. Um, and security awareness training has always been there. Uh, but over the last, I would say, five to seven years, uh, organizations are investing heavily in security awareness training. They're figuring out that their weakest link is their weakest colleague. Um, the colleague that clicks on that one link or is fooled can infect and, and uh, affect an entire company. So... Focusing on training, focusing on awareness, has uh, been a has been something that's changed. Uh, I, I think over the last five to seven, it's really grown. Definitely, and I think I, I just the type of emails like I get on my personal email account, and I they they say they come from Amazon, they come from Apple, and a few years ago they were pretty obvious because there mm -hmm. were a lot of typos and things like that. But mm -hmm. they're much they look much more sophisticated now. Uh, what are some of the areas that people can look at those types of emails to um, ensure that they're coming from where they think they're coming from and uh, not click on a, a nefarious type of link? Right. That's another great question. The, the first thing to do is ask yourself, where, am I expecting this? Should I be getting this email? Have I done something to prompt this email from coming? Um, uh, an example is I got one from PayPal this morning saying my account was uh, frozen, you know, so I, I know I'm a professional in the space, um, but if, if I wasn't, you know, taking that approach of, was I expecting something from PayPal? The answer is no, I wasn't. My, my, I've been operating with PayPal day in and day out for years now. I'm always looking at the account and checking on it. Uh, so I wasn't expecting anything. Kind of the next step I take is I hover over the link that they want me to click on. I don't click on it. I just put my mouse over it. And, uh, and then I kind of look at what it shows me. And if it, it, you know, again, if it looks like a legitimate link um, and, it, and the, the email's crafted to look legitimate, the next step I take is I actually don't click on the link. I go to PayPal separately in a separate browser. And I, you know, I go to PayPal.com and I log in and I look for the message, right? There's all of, all of these, your financial institutions, PayPal and similar, they have an inbox. Uh, and you can go to the inbox and all the messages you would get in email they put there as well. So I do that separately and I, and I go and check. Uh, does it take me a little more time? Yes, it does. But better a few more seconds, you know, 15, 20 seconds, than hours or days of my system and my peers' systems being down because of a ransomware attack. Sure. And I, I don't want to get into the weeds on this too much, but I find it kind of fascinating. So like you said, there's always someone, especially in a large organization, who's going to click on a link 
that they shouldn't have. What are what's the first step or the first few steps that a worker or an employee should do if they had clicked on that um, that uh, nefarious link that they shouldn't have? What should they do right away? If, if they recognize it and they oh crap that oh crap moment and I shouldn't have done that, uh, the first thing they should do is turn their computer off, turn it off, just hard shut it down. Uh, and then the next step is to call your, your help desk uh, and, and notify them that you may have clicked on a link. You know, in our, in our situation, our help desk would then involve our security team uh, and we begin an investigation. Uh, we get that laptop, we put it in an isolated environment, we turn it back on, and then we start uh, looking at it. And to be honest, in our environment, you know, given the speed at which we work, we'll spend a little bit of time looking, looking to see if something was infected. But at the end of the day, if you told me you clicked on a link, most likely your system is being rebuilt from scratch. So we can ensure that any malicious code there or not is not going to affect our organization. But yeah, the, the, the turn it off, disconnect it from network, turn it off is the, is the advice I give you. So obviously at Sphere, we talk a lot about safety issues in so many different areas, but we don't really talk a lot about cybersecurity. But I'm curious what you think or how high you think cybersecurity ranks in terms of uh, how much an organization should be focusing on that versus other types of uh, risk and safety areas. Because it seems like in 2020 and in the future, cybersecurity is huge. So you look at what type of organization is. I think you got to start there. Um, and, and organization types will have varying degrees of uh, security requirements, right? So a financial institution, healthcare, uh, a critical infrastructure piece, power plant, water, um, water processing facility, they have certain requirements that they just have to maintain by regulation. Outside of those organizations, then, then you need to look at what's your risk space look? What's the information that you're holding on to? Is it your employees' information? Is it custom, personal customer information? Uh, and looking at all that, doing a risk assessment on all those pieces of information, uh, and then from there you, you build up your, your program and the level that you need it to be at. You know, cybersecurity is, is one of those things when, you, when I look back, uh, you know, 20 years ago, uh, it was something people did on the side. Uh, it was something that, that, you know, just started to be important. Uh, nowadays, if you don't have an information security program, you're, you're probably in violation of a few regulations. So it's, it's important that organizations have one uh, yep. and that they invest time and money into, into cybersecurity because it is, is important. Um, when you look at the recent breaches uh, across the space with Equifax and Target and Sony, uh, just to name a few, uh, you know, the information that was taken uh, can lead to identity theft. And it's, it's important that organizations try to protect that data as much as possible. The, the other area that, that a lot of people probably don't realize is that it's not a matter of if you're going to get breached, it's a matter of when. And to that point, you, you need to have the controls in place so you can catch it as quickly as possible and stop it. Because uh, the bad guys are better than the good guys. They, they just are. They're funded. They have more time. Uh, and it's their, it's their career. It's their job to break in and steal. Uh, so we're always, we're always behind the curve a little bit. But um, the sooner we can detect an issue, the better we can stop it um, and, and protect our data. What are some of the trends you're seeing in terms of cyber attacks? Are there certain uh, 
attacks that you're seeing more of now than you had in the past? Uh, you know, going back to the pandemic and the remote workforce, phishing attacks are off the chart. They're, they're through the roof. I, I would I would guess when this year ends, the statistics are going to show that phishing attack is at an all-time high. People being out of their offices, away from their peers, they're more susceptible to attack. You know, uh, the stealing of personal information is another uh, area. So d- major data breaches, right? Going into an organization and stealing the, you know, the, the employee list with all their um, you know, social security numbers or personal identifiable numbers, uh, and then using that to, to generate identity theft and fraud. That, that, that trend has been on the increase for a number of years and, and is continuing to go up. And, you know, as far as other, other spaces, I mean, uh, when you look at critical infrastructure and, and manufacturing space, um, you know, anytime a, 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 a bad actor can get into a power plant or, and, and cause havoc, they, they'll do it, right? Just to, just to get their, their street cred and their name out there. And, you know, in, in the worst cases, they, they do it for ransom. They'll shut down power. And this has happened in several cases overseas where power plants have been shut down. And ransom has had to be paid for, for the bad guys to uh, release the, the systems to start generating power again. So is that is that sort of the intersect? I mean, it's sort of interesting to think about like an IoT or IIoT device. They make things so great for gathering data, but they also have to be really secure because there is that possibility. Is that kind of part of the equation? It, it definitely is. Um, you know, um, uh, infra- industrial control systems, SCADA devices, uh, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, they, weren't connected, they weren't connected devices. And then all, all of a sudden, almost overnight, they're connected, right? And they're available on networks and susceptible to hacking. In fact, most industrial control systems, when they first came out, they were using outdated operating systems. They, weren't, they didn't even have the ability to be patched. And they were being breached all the time. They, they were being hacked and taken over. And, and there's numerous instances uh, that have been that have been publicly available that uh, SCADA devices and industrial control systems have have been breached and caused havoc, caused harm, caused plants to fail, explode, um, serious damage, personal you know damage. So, yeah, the, the, that industry luckily has evolved. Um, when you look at um, not only manufacturing, when you look at hospital systems, right? Um, in your hospital room, if, you, if you're you know, ever in there, you, you know that there's a lot of systems. A lot of those systems now are connected, right? So the, the nurse's station can see what's going on on your, you know, your blood pressure and your heart rate, right? And the medications you're taking. You don't want those hacked. You don't want some bad guy, you know, giving you a whole push of morphine or something. Um, so, so those systems, they have evolved. Are they hack proof? No, nothing is hack proof. But the industry has definitely gone uh, the, the right direction and, and done a, a fairly good job um, of, of protecting that critical infrastructure. Definitely. And that kind of ties into a little bit about what you were saying earlier about how these uh, hackers are getting more personalized with uh, using information that the person might uh, that might actually uh, apply to the person just to maybe get more information out of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's all very interesting. I want to turn to another topic that I, I think has changed over the years, but I kind of wanted to get your take on this. Um, it, there used to be this feeling, or at least that I saw, that cloud, um, the, 
the, that the cloud wasn't as secure as sort of an on-premise situation because you had you had the information out there and you could I don't know maybe hack into it somehow. Mm-hmm. But how has uh, cloud security evolved over the last few years? Well, you're right. That cloud security when it or cloud infrastructure when it first was born was was weak. It was not it was not secure. Um, and many companies. Uh, even today, we see companies that that are afraid to adopt cloud technologies. You know, organizations like ours have had to do a lot of work to ensure our customers that we're that we're meeting, you know, common cybersecurity standards. Um, there's several certifications: ISO 27001. There's a NIST 800. There's a SOC 2. Uh, uh, several others, uh, especially in the healthcare space, that that companies can get to prove that they're to prove to their customers that they have a sound program. When we look at uh, the space overall, uh, there's so many different regulations that need to be adhered to. And in order to do that, based on the industry you're in, you know, you need people who are dedicated to this. The, the cloud environments today, when you look at cloud environments, it's, it, it's not much different than an on-premise. The same security risks exist. The technology works a little bit differently, and there's some different little different things that you can do there with uh, things called microservices. Uh, but overall, the security, you know, you have to have a strong security foundation. You have to control access, right? You have to monitor what's going on in the systems. Sure. Uh, you have to perform assessments, right? Risk, vulnerability. Uh, those have to be done on a regular basis. You have to understand where you're at from a threat perspective. Um, you have to understand your industry and what your threat vectors are. So that hasn't changed from on-prem to cloud. I think the idea of losing control, that, that initial idea of going from on-prem to cloud is a loss of control. I, don't, I can't walk up to that server and turn it off. That mentality is starting to fade. I think, I think there's enough... Uh, programs in place, enough certifications in place that we can assure our customers that we're doing the right thing. And it doesn't go just for, for Sphera. It goes for a lot of the other cloud companies as well. And uh, you know, if you look at you know, just in your personal life, how many cloud services you use, sure. um, you, know, you, you want to make sure you know, when you go to your bank that that, that information is secure, that your, your finances are going <laughs> to be secured. They have to go through several sets of testing and assessments to make sure that the that they're protecting their customers money definitely and uh similarly i'm curious to get your thoughts on uh companies that allow um their employees to bring their own devices uh especially when you're talking about like mobile phones and things like that Mm -hmm. how difficult is that for a company to be able to monitor or to ensure the cybersecurity of those devices when they're not necessarily the company's devices it's difficult it's difficult. Um, there, there are some controls you can put in place. Uh, most companies start with policy, right? Uh, you have a policy that states you should not have uh, customer information on your mobile device. But we know there are times when, th- when that happens. Uh, so then, then as a security organization, you have to go a little further. Right? You have to uh, make sure even though it's a personal device, there's some control over it, right? There's some control over what can be done to the device. You don't want the device is jailbroken, right? You don't want them to, to have rogue operating systems. You want to make sure that the uh, that they're encrypted, right? Most 
uh, all current iOS devices are encrypted uh, by default when you put a password on it. Um, Android, I'm not as familiar with, but uh, I believe it's very similar. Um, so you want to um, try to get your hands around that problem as much as you can. Most organizations don't get their hands all the way around it um, because it's so difficult. Uh, the ones that do get their arms around it, they input, they end up putting a lot of control into that personal device. Uh, for instance, the uh, email communications would go into, would be what we call containerized. So that, that application that's used to read the email or to, to collect the email uh, is completely managed by the organization. And in the event that there's something uh, malicious or that person leaves the company, they can click on a button and essentially wipe all that air quote company data off that device. Um, so there's several things that can be done. Um, you know, viruses can affect mobile devices. Uh, so there, there's, there is now some, some virus software that's coming out. Uh, the other point of attack for mobile devices, honestly, is uh, the applications that you install. You know, you want to make sure you're getting them from a, from a reputable source. Uh, again, on the Apple side, you have the Apple Store and all their applications are reviewed uh, and have to go through a screening process. Uh, on, the, on the Android side, you have the Google Store, which it does very similar to what, what Apple does. Um, however, on the Android side, there are far more areas uh, or places to download applications. Uh, they don't have the same level of, of security or oversight as say the Google, the Google Store or the Apple Store would have. So that is a concern, you know, and, and how do you manage that? Uh, there's certain applications out there that, again, we can, we can um, use to manage personal devices. It's probably one of the messy, messiest areas of information security. When, when the device starts to not be in our control fully, uh, that's, that's where the ch real challenges start coming in. You know, if we're handing out company-assigned uh, phones, which we do on occasion, uh, those are fully managed. So it's, it's easier for us to kind of protect that data. But when it comes to personal devices, the challenges get higher. You know, the, the, there's another trend that's coming, uh, and some organizations are already doing this, but, um, you know, we say bring your own device. We traditionally think of mobile. The trend is now going to bring your own device means your own laptop hmm. or, or other computing device because uh, now we know that the, the tablets of today uh, are as powerful as some laptops. And being able to bring those to work, and, and organizations are looking at this from a, from a it's cost-effective, right? If I don't have to spend $2,000 on a massive laptop, or so I can give a little stipend to my employees to, to offset the cost of the, of the laptop they're going to buy, now there's some challenges, right? Because how do you ensure that they're running antivirus? How do you ensure... They're not doing something malicious. How do you ensure they don't get ransomware, right? All those things now start to come up. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> luckily we don't, we don't do that part because um, I would really not sleep at night. Uh, you <laughs> that know, would I, definitely I, keep you up at night. It would uh, definitely keep me up at night. Yes, it would. So I just wanted to ask you about one more thing. And this, I would have said maybe even a few years ago would be kind of futuristic threats but you're seeing more and more of what they call deep fake content out there where you can ma manipulate video where people are saying things that they didn't say or doing things that they didn't necessarily do. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts as a, um, I don't know how many companies have been targeted by this type of thing, but I'm guessing it has happened. Um, how how risky is this going to be for companies in the future? And are there any things that companies can do to help uh, prevent this? 
it's very risky. I mean, if you've seen any of the, the deep fake videos, uh, and there have been several around the election this year, uh, that, that are almost indistinguishable to the, to the, to an untrained eye. There are some tools out there that can detect deep, deep fakes. They're not a hundred percent foolproof. Um, mm-hmm. as the, as the deep fake technology has grown, the detection technology is, is a step or two behind. Uh, so there's there's always that little gap there where the deep fakes are going to be better than the automated detection. With that said, as as somebody who's uh, taking in that information, you really need to evaluate that information. Is that something this person would say or ask for? When we look at it from a corporate perspective, right? Let's let's talk about sure. maybe mm-hmm. a message from a from a from our CEO. Right. You know, the CEO comes on, uh, or we look at a big publicly traded company, and the CEO. Uh, there's a deep fake of the, the, the CEO that says, um, you know, our, I don't know, our, our, our company's not doing well financially. And, and think about what that would do to their stock price, you know, how that would potentially affect their stock prices in the short term if that got out publicly. You know, somebody can make a lot of money on that. So controlling that is important. Uh, you know, if you look at the social media venues, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, they're all starting to crack down on this uh, and tag uh, pieces of, of news or, or pieces of information as potentially fake or potentially inaccurate. I think that's going to go a long way to help a lot of, a lot of things. But again, if you're targeted inside your company, that gets a little harder, right? Um, I, I think you have to go back to your security awareness training. I think you really have to train your people to kind of look out for these things you know, deep fakes is, is an evolving tech and it's evolving really fast. Yep. Uh, I would suspect there's not a lot of organizations that it's on their radar, but I would, uh, I would think that from a risk management perspective, this is something that's being incorporated into their programs um, and being evaluated. It may not be something that they're, they weigh too much on today. They have too much risk on today. Sure. Um, but as that technology evolves and get better, that risk, it, that risk is in increase. So um, it's definitely something that's got to be part of, uh, it's got to be on your radar, let's put it that way. It was a great conversation, Ron. I really appreciate the time. It was really interesting. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Appreciate it. This concludes this episode of Sphera Now. For more content on topics such as these, we encourage you to visit sphera.com, S-P-H-E-R-A.com. While there, feel free to click contact and submit feedback on this podcast or suggest topics you'd like to see us cover. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.